Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a Dave original podcast. This podcast contains some bad language, but uh, please don't hold that against it. Jordan Brooks, look at what you've done. I'm Jordan Brooks, comedian, writer and actor, sort of. I've not actually been in anything, but uh, I just mean I can act in general day-to-day life. Like when someone says, how are you? And I say, great, actually. This week, I chat to Maisie Adam, who is a firm favourite on shows like Mock the Week, Live at the Apollo, and probably some others too. She's one of those rare comics who other comics see doing well and feel genuinely pleased for. We're talking about her early struggles with unrequited love. I fancied a lot of people. Her annoyingly hot brother. Quite an attractive boy. And her operatically complicated marriage in later years. Mike had started to classically train as an opera singer. Maisie Adam. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan Brooks. Oh, you full-named me, very formal. Well, you, you full-named me, so I, I, I just instinctively full-named you back. Well, should we full-name everyone we mention yes, for the entirety please. of this recording? Great. Yes, please. Okay. Talk us through your birth. With pleasure. Uh, on, a, on a cold Tuesday morning, mm. Jill Catherine Adam uh, went into labour. First born, so, you know, they didn't know what was going to hit them. Mm. And uh, boy, was she hit. Uh, <laughs> straight in the face. Boy, she hit. Yeah, yeah, straight in the face. Yeah, have I've, have you heard? I just sort of came out and did sort of a lap of honour, whacked her in the face. So you popped out, and then yeah, you yeah. went, and you did a full loop de loop. Yeah, kind of like you know, you know the ski jump in the Winter Olympics. It's sort mm. of you almost come back the way you came. You almost go right round. Yeah, I'm, I'm just telling you what the midwives told me. Do you remember what your first thought was when you popped out? Were you like, wait, here we go? 
uh, lovely wallpaper at Leeds General Infirmary. That was yeah. that was what I know. I've always had an eye for interior design. Yeah, giving the walls of your mum's womb a lick of amniotic fluid. And as I um, as I looped the looped the way through the maternity ward of of Leeds General Infirmary, I couldn't help mm. but notice lovely wallpaper. Yeah, um, of course. Animal design. Animal was design. it? Yeah. Do you remember what the animals were? Yeah, giraffes, elephants, pretty much a ju- you know your generic jungle theme. Generic not what I'd jungle go theme. For, not what I'd go with for the house, but you know they probably took one look at me and thought she's never going to see the jungle in her life. She's, yeah, I, I guess it's good to prep kids early for the casual savagery of being alive. This is Leeds we're talking about, Jordan. You've got to mm. you've got to you've got to toughen them up the moment they. They ski jump out of their mum's vagina. You said you were the firstborn. Were you also the lastborn? No, 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 no. Uh, it was four years of bliss. Me, oh, Jill Catherine that. Adam and Philip Morris Adam. Mm-hmm. And then um, for some reason they thought we needed more company. So what, after four years they thought, do you know what, this after one's a write-off. Years, yeah, yeah Let's go I think again. they just thought we've gone as far as we can go with this one. So then they had uh, my brother, Daniel Joseph Havelock Adam. Yes, real name, real name. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That was by by choice? By choice. What's Uh, Havelock mean? What's the significance of that? So my dad um, had an antique shop that he'd called Havelock's Antiques. Well, thank God your dad didn't work at a shop called Massive Cunt. Yeah, I know, I know. Imagine if he'd have worked at Screwfix. Yeah. Just <laughs> Daniel Joseph Screwfix Screw Adam. Up until four, you were on your own, and then and then you had this this awful. Yeah, just just no. new blood. I mean, he no. I'm I'm being I'm being bad here. He's he is very nice. Um, That's annoying. It's annoying. annoying. Yeah, this is the thing. Is I remember getting. I remember being told I was going to have a little brother, and I was like, oh, "For fuck's I hated the idea of somebody yeah. coming in to our group." And then he arrived, and they gave him an extra name, and I was just like, mm, "Not sure about this." Um, and he was really cute. Whereas I, this is so embarrassing. I was born with so much hair when I was a baby that it joined my eyebrows. I had so much thick black hair that it joined my eyebrows and all the photos I look like a baby chimpanzee. So uh, your so your hair was your hair the last thing to leave your did you come out feet first and then then you had still having to pull out strands? I didn't have an umbilical cord. I just had one French plait connecting <laughs> me to me. <laughs> and then my brother was just really cute as a baby and that annoyed me as well. Mm. Like he was annoyingly cute for a long, long time. He just looked permanently like a cherub. Whereas I don't think I stopped looking like a chimpanzee until I was about eight. <laughs> Did uh, he? Um, is he? Does he still look like a ch- cherub today? Yeah, he's just always been. He, he went from being like really cute, and then he hit puberty like a truck. Oh, and bless him. I know this is not the done thing to be said about your brother. No, I'm just it. telling you what other people have told me is that he went to being quite a quite an attractive boy. Um, it's okay to say that if if he wasn't your brother. I'm not saying if he wasn't my brother, and I'm not saying my brother's fit. I'm saying other people have said my brother is an attractive boy. It's a suspicious number of caveats that you're adding to this. <laughs> it's okay to say that you find family members attractive. <laughs> Just say it if you fancy. <laughs> I don't find my brother attractive. Uh I However. Just... Oh, God. I just think he was blessed more in mm. the looks and aesthetic department from the get-go. Like, as a baby, he was cute, and as an adult, he's been more conventionally attractive. 
Okay, so you've... And okay, so, so all the signs suggest that I should hate his guts, but mm. he also, annoyingly, has a very kind personality. Isn't that just the worst? When it's you meet worst. someone who's, who's both attractive, who you fancied since they were a baby, no. <laughs> who also is incredibly virtuous and nice... Because you word. go, you can't have both. People bring you up in life going, oh, you're either one or the other. You know, you've got mm. personality or you've got looks. And then it's really, really irritating when you meet people who have both. And nine times out of ten as well, they don't even know that they've got both. It's insufferable. So you've grown to really resent your brother. This is starting to feel like therapy. Is this a normal thing on this podcast? This is exactly how we wanted it to go. Okay. What I think is good to take solace in, though, is that he didn't choose to be attractive. He didn't work hard for it. It's pure genetic lottery. He hasn't done anything. Now, his kindness... You say it's genetic lottery. We share the same genes. (laughs) We had the same parents. I think there's been a, a very generous distribution of wealth. No, how can one come out looking like a cherub with a really nice personality and one can come out looking like a chimp and is incredibly insecure? <laughs> that that shouldn't be that shouldn't be how biology works. You should get one and one and a bit of the other. As you know, Maisie, as you learn from day one, it's a jungle out there. It's, it's a jungle out there. It's a, and I'm the chimp in the jungle. <laughs> so yeah. you went to school and stuff? You, yeah, you did yeah. all you did all of that? Yeah, yeah, went to Oatlands, Oatlands Infant School, Oatlands Junior School. Where's that? Where, where did you grow up? Um, well, I was born in Leeds, but we we went to school in Harrogate, which is a very, very posh middle class bubble yeah. in the world. We moved to a village called Panel, which is just outside. Like, it's between Harrogate and Leeds, which is mm. basically like the village from this country or Vicar of Dibley. Dry stone walls... Uh, lots of the average we moved I think when we were like when me and Danny would, would have been like 10 and 6 and we brought mm. the average age down in that village to 105 so how long did it take you to get to school we used to have to get the 110 and it would take us about half an hour with other yeah. with other school kids or did yeah. you look like I used to have to walk to school this is a secondary school with the lad who lived next door who was I kid you not, Jordan, he was the most miserable person I've ever... I didn't know you could be that miserable as a child. Like, mm. he had the personality of a man in his 60s whose wife had left him. Sort of a, like, like a kind of emotional Benjamin Button. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I didn't know if it was like... Because I used to come home and say to my mum and dad, like, I don't know what's wrong with him. Like, I can't get... It, I'm doing such heavy lifting with the conversation all the way. Mm. And I don't know why we walked to school together. We didn't have to. It was just because we lived next door to each other. It just I think it would just look rude if I set off without him. So did, did, it, did it ever extend into friendship or was it just it was just during this walk? Just, no, no, no. I'd walk to the bus stop and then at the bus stop, I'd sack him off and go and um, chat to Heather Jackson because she could actually hold a conversation. What was his name? <laughs> so he was known in the village as Pubes. His car got stolen and everyone was like, did you hear Pubes' his car got nicked? And everyone just knew who we meant. That's sad, isn't it? When you're, when you're sort of, when, when you've suffered a crime, but it's, but it's summarised in a very whimsical, yeah, mocking yeah, way. You can't really take it seriously. No, when Pubes' No matter how, work, how bad things get. Yeah, did you hear about Pubes? It's terminal. I'm not putting Pubes' funeral in my calendar. I'm not no, writing that down. No, R.I.P. Pubes. Did not look at you like... Where are you going? Did he not? He moved to London and nobody noticed for like two years. Did he know? Probably not. 
probably not. He he never looked up from the pavement when we were walking to school, so he probably never noticed he moved to London. So now that we've slammed... Yeah. Um, school life sounds great, though. You had a good social oh, circle listen, and stuff. Listen, I don't, I don't like to be that, but I bloody loved school. Yeah. I did. I loved it. I had such a nice little group of mates. I think I got some GCSEs along the way, but I don't really remember. Oh, do you know them. what? It doesn't matter now. But I, I tell people I got 10 A's in GCSEs. No one's asking to see the certificates. I did, no, did I bollocks. I've lied a lot on my... Mm on my CV over, over the time, none more so about my academic achievements. Gold Duke of Edinburgh said I've done that. Nobody checks. No. I mean, I would ask for some tangible evidence if you were to... If I said to you I've done my Gold Duke of Edinburgh, you'd want evidence? I'd I'd go prove it. Uh, uh, deadpan, oh God, prove actually, it. What is it that you're meant to have done if you've done Gold? You're meant to have like volunteered at a charity shop for like six months, aren't you? I think you? you're just meant to have gotten a little minivan with five other dorks. And disappeared for the weekend. That was that seems to be the only criteria in my school. This is the thing, though, is that I had basically done that for fun. By the time the Duke of Edinburgh came about as an option, they were like, what, "What you do is you go, yeah, me, me and a bunch of year nines would just hijack a minibus and drive up into the Dales." Yeah, if you feel like you've done it in your heart, that's enough. I think I feel like I have. Yeah, you had a nice circle of friends. Did you have any uh, romance in your oh. in your earlier years? I had lovely friends. And at the expense of that, had absolutely no game whatsoever when it came to to uh, attracting boys. Oh, I'm 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 with you. I did. The, I was absolutely the I same. I think in the eyes of the boys at St Aidan's Church of England High School, I was basically a cartoon. Did you fancy anyone when you were at school? Though, did you have? Oh, did you have I fancied and stuff? so many people. So I didn't fancy yeah. my brother. Thank you. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't imply or bring that you up. You were going so. there. You were definitely going Methinks there. He thinks the lady. I fancied a lot of people. I don't think I ever act. Oh no, I did act on it once. Mm. There was. I asked a boy who I. This is really bad, but I knew as diabetic Matthew. There was a lot of Matthews in our year. There was. Thank um, you for full naming him. <laughs> he will actually know who he is when he hears this as well. So. Um, there was there was a small Matthew, there was a big Matthew, there was a geography Matthew, and there was a um, diabetic Matthew. Geography Matthew didn't wear school trousers; he wore like waterproof trousers, so everybody said he looked like a geography teacher. So he was geography Matthew. Right. Okay. And then diabetic Matthew, I really fancied, uh, and so I did ask him out, and it was like I think one of the worst experiences of mine and his lives ever. Oh, well, let's explore it in great detail then, Maisie. What happened? So on the last day of school, um, you know, when like the teachers would let you bring in a a film Mm. to watch, he brought in the film White Chicks, which at the time we all thought was absolutely peak comedy. We thought comedy doesn't get better than this. This is the piece de resistance (laughs) of modern comedy. He brought that in and was finding it absolutely hilarious. And then there's a dance that they do. Oh, my God. There's a dance that they do in White Chicks. And I learnt it in a lunch break. God bless you. (sighs) I've not really spoken about this. And it's only when the words are coming out of my mouth that I realise what a loser I was. And I basically end up doing it in the dining room at dinner. and On your own? yeah basically just like i kind of got i steered the conversation round to white chicks and we were all quoting and i was making sure i was getting the quotes that he found funny when we were watching it 
And wow. then I just broke into the dance to um, It's Tricky. Uh, mm. And it was ca- it was dying on its ass, Jordan. It was absolutely dying on its ass. How soon into the dance did you think, I've made an error? Pretty quick. But what was worse is I had the false belief that, no, but it'll, it'll get funny. It'll get funny. We were in the queue as well for dinner so the dinner lady this old lady called edith used to have kept having to come along and tell us to move along so i was having to do this dance routine whilst moving along the 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 queue (laughs) (laughs) so i'd be going like it's tricky it's tricky and then she'd come around going cold food get in this queue please and you'd have to move into the cold, cold decide whether you were cold food or hot food it was not great um, and then we started chatting. I think out of pity, he was like, "Are you, are you all right?" After that, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, really good." Anyway, <laughs> you need to go to the nurse's office. <laughs> um, and I just ended up saying, "Like, do you do you maybe want to go out with me?" I thought it, it was a one-on-one conversation, and then the moment I said, "Will you go out with me?" I I heard the entirety of the cafeteria go quiet. But they were like, oh, stop, there's an anecdote happening. It was awful. It was awful, yeah. That weirdo that's just done the dance routine, she's now... We didn't think it would be possible, but she's now making her life even worse for herself. <laughs> um, she's now doing a merry dance with her own heart. <laughs> uh, and I said, would you go out with me? And he was like, well, I think we should just stay as friends. And then he turned his back and went off to go and get a tuna sandwich. And I had put myself in the hot food queue. Oh, amazing. I'm so sorry. It was was awful. I got my tray of jacket potato and went and sat with my friends. And they were like, what were you doing over there? Like, because I was dancing. And they were like, what were you doing? I was like, I just asked Diabetic Matthew out. And they're like, oh, my God, what happened? I was like, obviously, you saw me dance. Like, obviously, it didn't. (laughs) Clearly, it didn't go well. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sat here with a jacket potato telling you yeah i'd be sat with diabetic matthew having a tuna sandwich checking he's had his insulin (laughs) (laughs) so did it did it get any better for you like in in terms of romance and stuff uh no i didn't have a boyfriend until i'd left school Mm. uh my first boyfriend was somebody who had been in my sixth form college the whole time but had waited until the last day of sixth form college to ask me out. And I was like, why now? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do Camp America. Why now? <laughs> well, I went out with him and then I went on a holiday to Zante and discovered more boys and was like, uh, no. Is that like um, Ibiza and Ayanapa, all those kind of places? Is it, it's those kind of places that I used to watch documentaries about when I was 20 and still living with my parents. And I'd sneer at them thinking, God, look at these idiots. But knowing full well that if I ever got invited along, I'd burst into tears of joy. I think Ibiza's actually meant to be really expensive and really cool, whereas Santi and Ayanapa and Magaluf are kind of a bit more budget. Like, when we flew over, it was just... That plane was just a tin can full of hormones. And then Mm. on the way back, it was a tin can full of sexually transmitted infections. (laughs) Um, Not me. Not me, thank you. I came back in the clear. Yes. Very much played it safe. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And then I went to Camp America. This is when I was like, just after 
sixth form. What is Camp America? I, I think a friend of mine went uh, while yeah. back. You sort of teach kids, right? You just, it's Basically, just one of the, it's like an activity. And it's real, uh, yeah, so you go and work at a summer camp um, and you can get put anywhere in America. I got put in New Jersey, so I was within an hour of New York. It was oh. great. But because I'd said, like, yeah, bob me anywhere, it was a, it was a Christian summer camp. So, oh, yeah, it was officially a Christian summer camp. Yeah, it was normal church, but with Americans there. So the enthusiasm was through the fucking roof. Yeah, um, it was nice and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And I had a little camp romance there. Did you? With, um, with a man who I think is like, I mean, I mean I'm engaged now, so I can't say this, but he's <laughs> one, one of the most attractive people I've ever met in my entire life. I couldn't, I couldn't bloody believe it. For years down the line, Jordan, like this is so embarrassing. But at university, sometimes I'd just, I'd just have a look at him on Facebook just, and go, I can't believe remember. I snogged that man. Can't believe it. Oh, we've a, all, at a we've Jesus all camp. At a Jesus camp. Under the eyes of the Lord as well. <laughs> Never so have I it? believed so much in divine inter- intervention as when I had a summer fling with a man called Stephen Specker. Absolutely. Stephen Specker. Okay, good Stephen to get his Specker. full name. Stephen so, Specker of Farms, New Jersey. So you look him up on Facebook, but do you ever do you ever think what might have been? No, because he was very, very lovely, but we had absolutely nothing in common. Um, my fiance has just texted me from the other room. Packing my bags. Heard you yeah, talking about sorry. Steve again. Um, so you said you got a fiance. Yeah, yeah. That's a, is that is that a recent um, development? Recent, recent development. Yeah, just before Christmas we got engaged. Oh, nice. congratulations! Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. Um, How long have you been together? Four and a half years. Uh, so when I I went to uni, and then mm. after uni, decided I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to try comedy, and then I got into comedy. Um, so yeah, I moved to Brighton because I needed. I, I felt like I needed to be down south, but I, I couldn't move to London because it's just not just not my vibe. And then I met Mike when I was down here. Interesting that the first person you haven't full named is the man you're. You Michael love and Dobbinson. I'm there we go. Right. Okay. How much does he resemble your brother? Do you think? Oh, oh Jordan. No, not at all. Not at all. Very different. Thank you. You, you worked at Fatface. Yes. Was that so I worked job? at Fat Face. No, my first job I worked in a um golf club. I was paid three pounds fifty an hour and I got um fired from that because I spilt a gravy boat on a woman uh, what well, a bride. It was her it was her wedding reception. Ooh, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Yeah. So Yeah. Was she wear it was it was on her dress? Yeah, she was wearing it and I, I mm. was leaning over to put it down on the table. Um but I was putting, so it, this was in my, I had both hands full and the gravy boat was um, on like near my body while my mm. other hand was outstretched putting down maybe like potatoes or something. And as I put them down, the hand near me spilled the gravy boat. And so I didn't clock. I didn't, I was just focusing on putting the potatoes down. And then I just heard this woman go, Aah! and I was like, oh my God, what? And then I looked down and um, she was a brown bride. So how much gravy made it onto her body before she screamed? Oh, like it, it looked... Enough yeah. to ruin the day. Oh, it completely, yeah, ruin the day. It was a day ruin ruining dress. amount of gravy. Yeah, yeah. And it was onion gravy, so it was like, you oh. know, bits in it. I would be very surprised if the marriage was consummated that evening, Jordan. It may still not be. Onion is a very <laughs> difficult smell to get out. Does, it lingers, doesn't it? It, it lingers. does linger. It lingers for decades. It, it lingers for decades. So... 
I wouldn't be surprised if I ruined that marriage there on the spot. So that yeah. was the end of my time at Oakdale Golf Club. That was not a nice job. But Fat Face was great. Fat Face was yeah. great. They played um, very Fat Face music as well. That was... Yeah, I got. Did they have a live DJ a of... like some of those shops do? No, no, no. But they had um, a specific soundtrack that was designed to make you feel like you were in the catalogue. Okay. Also, we used to have a thing. My boss used to do this. Thing. I feel like you'll like this, Jordan. He used to have this thing in in Fat Faith where he'd tell you to go surfing. S was say hello. U was understand the customer. R relate to them. F fitting rooms. Walk them to the fitting rooms. I introduce a new product. So if they were buying jeans, he'd be like, "Have you considered this belt with those bootcut jeans?" N never. Oh, it's something like never let them. It can't be never let them leave, but it was like never let them out of your sight unless they're in the fitting rooms. Because obviously, <laughs> never let them out of your sight. Thieves do operate in this area. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then G was goodbye. Always make sure you say goodbye. Which I never got that. But you're not. You've not done those jobs since because you're you're a full time com com com. Yeah, surfing the waves of comedy now, Jordan. <laughs> uh, thieves do operate in that area as well. Thieves do operate in that area. <laughs> yeah. So you got into comedy and you won a competition. You won the So You Think You're Funny competition. What what year was that? 2017. With these competitions, there's sometimes a sort of eligibility thing, isn't there, where you have to have been going for 18 months or something. Was that, did you, did, was yeah, that so true? My, I, I know a lot of people lie to get into these things. Yeah, I know. It's mad, isn't it? But I, I um, my first gig was October 2016. Um, and I think by the time I'd applied... It would it would have been well my I can remember my heat was in May, so I must have applied maybe January. Anyway, by the time wow. I, I won it, I'd I'd been I'd been going about eight or nine months. But what was mad is with say you think you're funny um, or any of those competitions really, you're meant to do like seven minutes or something, mm. or I think it's seven or eight minutes. Um, my first gig because panel didn't have much of a scene at all and I hadn't done any stand-up comedy my first gig um there was a town just up from Leeds and panel called Ilkley and it had a literature festival and it was asking as part of its fringe for local local art local people to Mm -hmm. um be part of it and I by this point I'd come back from uni decided I'd like to give stand-up a go but had no idea of how to go about it so for my first gig I applied to this literature festival fringe and I applied and was like oh I'd like to do stand-up comedy and they came back to me like yeah great here's your slot and it was an hour (laughs) it was just me and so and so this would this was going to be your first ever gig yeah my first gig was me um for an hour um at the Ilkley Playhouse um just me I'd never done it before when I was working at Fat Face, I used to, I used to always think of stuff, but I was never brave enough to ever do anything with it. So I used to like get loads of till roll out and write all these little things that I thought might be funny, and I'd kept them in this tin and never done anything with it. And then when I got this this Ilkley slot for an hour, I dug out that tin and was like just basically piecing together anything I'd ever thought was remotely funny. I watched it back, a, like, maybe two years ago, and I was like, that's a strong 12 stretched over 55 minutes. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. <laughs> so, Maisie, when you were, you were around about 35, wasn't it, that you, you finally married Mike? Yeah, yeah. We, we took a long time to plan. Thanks. Why did it take seven years? When we got engaged, we were both quite laid back people. We both were like, oh, you know, we don't know, like, we just want people to be happy. We just want people to have a nice day. And then, like, the more we got around to planning things, the more we mm. realised, no, actually, this is this is all about us. We wanted it to reflect our personalities, really. So I think we wanted it to be overcomplicated, insecure, desperate. We wanted it to be all of those special things that kind of brought brought us two together. So, um, right. and it takes a while to, to to plan a wedding that's going to be that complicated. It takes a while to to be that obnoxious. It does. It does. Um, and I think I think that was reflected in the day. So uh, you spent seven years planning your wedding? Yeah, seven years planning one day. Planning one day? Yeah. And um, you only invited about 20 people, didn't you? It was a small one, it was a small yeah. affair. and we um, specifically picked people that we didn't know prior to the wedding. So, um, you, so a lot of them were hired actors? Do you remember that show that used to be on called Take Me Out? It was Paddy McGuinness mm. and then like a load of... And they'd like, go, bring girls. out the ladies, and bring they'd out come the out like a, like a sort of meat market. Yeah. So, yeah, so we wanted that kind of vibe at the at the wedding. So we got in touch with Paddy and said, yeah. how do you get those... Where did you, where did you where find did you find? Yeah, where did you find the you find girls to make it feel like a meat market? Um, yeah. And he was really helpful, in fact. Like, big shout out to Paddy, actually, because he doesn't get nearly enough credit in, in his wedding planning. Because famously, and this is something that, that people don't realise, is that, that Paddy McGuinness does all of Take Me Out. 
Yeah. He 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 books the guests. He films it. He directs it. He edits it himself. It's a he he's, he's a machine. He doesn't leave that editing room. He hasn't seen his family in years. <laughs> yeah. Let the kids see the dad. So you got in touch with Paddy. You said, "Where where did where did you find this parade of babes?" And yeah. he said, "Oh, no problem. I've got no a problem. whole Rolodex." Yeah, yeah. It's like the yellow pages. He's just got them all. Got them all with their with their sort of national insurance numbers, details. Yeah. Uh, it's eerie, isn't it, how much he knows about him? Because there's only you know you can you can list people's sort of credentials and their. Um... From, from from a personal point of view, it's it's incredibly creepy. Um, but from an admin point of view, very helpful, very mm. helpful. Oh, it sounds it sounds lovely. And then you you went on honeymoon, didn't you? Yes. Where did you go? Uh, we went to Scarborough. Right. We went to Scarborough. Um, Mike had never been up north, um, despite being with me for uh, um, well by that point. I'm just working out the maths here, how long it would have been. Um, 11 years. Um, so you've he, been together 11 years he, and, yeah. and Mike had never ventured up north. No, no, he just, like, I mean, when you meet somebody, it's tit for tat, isn't it? You, you're not, you're not going to agree on everything. And he, he didn't, he loves everything about me. He just doesn't mm. like anything north of Birmingham. And, like, that goes for people, weather, um, shows that are filmed, he like he didn't want to watch any of COP twenty six when that happened, um, mm. just because it's in Glasgow. Mm. Uh, he won't watch um, any like dramas that are set in Scandinavia. He won't he won't do that because it's north of Birmingham. Where do you think this geographical stigma comes from? Has he ha- has he been neurologically assessed? Because it sounds bonkers. I think it's. You know, people are different, Jordan. People are different, and yeah, but it's... people are different in the sense that they like wearing different hats. Yeah, yeah. They're not different in the fact that they are pathologically in denial about the fact that the North exists. No, but I think you know, some people think the Earth is flat. Some people hate anything north of Birmingham. That's that's fine, you know. Yeah. And, and as a middle ground, as a middle ground, I've said that I won't do. Um, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere south of where he's from, which is Portsmouth. By the time you were you were forty, you plopped a couple of kids out. I had plopped a couple of kids out. I didn't intend to plop them. I intended to birth them. Mm. But uh, but what happened? I'm still working out my anatomy. The fact that I plopped out all my kids. Yeah. But listen, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. I. Think... I mean, I've seen I've seen pictures, and I'm not I'm not one hundred percent. I could agree. What I will say, Jordan, is it's built character. For both them and me. Right. Um, You know, I used to... I remember when I first started in comedy uh, all those years ago, and I used to get so nervous about going to a new club or somewhere that I hadn't gigged before, and now Mm. I think, I've plopped out kids. I can do whole comedy train. That's fine. I can plop out a sweet five minute of new material. Yeah, easy, easy. You know, and and for them as well, it's built character. They... um, Every parent worries when you drop your kids off on the first day of school. Are the kids going to be nice? Does it matter mm. that they were plopped out? Will other kids know? Will they be able to tell? And my kids don't take any shit. They don't take any shit because they have started quite literally from the bottom. So mm. when that's been your 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 entry into the world, nothing is going to phase you. Nothing. And so, of course, you, you named your your child, um, your firstborn, you gave them the middle name after your occupation. So, of course, your, your child's name is Nigel Comedian Adam. Yeah, Little Nigel. Little Nigel Comedian. So, did that cause them any trouble at school? Being Nigel Comedian Adam? Mm. Uh, it didn't cause them any trouble at school. It did cause a lot of trouble with Mike's family. 
they were not happy that his name didn't feature in it at all. Um, I think especially when I've put comedian in there, particularly as you named your second child not Mike. Listen, this is this is a this is a touchy subject uh, in in our household, but not Mike is uh, he's a special child and bears no resemblance to Mike whatsoever. And I think people will draw their conclusions by the fact that he bears no resemblance to Mike and speaks with an American accent, um, specifically New Jersey Bible camp. What's the what's the conclusion to be drawn there? You tell me. But I'll tell you what, not Mike is very good on the farm. Very good on the farm. So l- let's get into that because yeah. you did have an affair with Stephen Specker. Let's, well, let's I would say S- Stephen Specker came back into my life and things got a little bit briefly complicated. But I think affair is... It's a strong word. It's thrown around too much. By Mike and his family. By Mike. By Mike and his family, yeah. Uh, What was going on with Mike at the time? Mike had started to classically train as an opera singer, despite no previous engagement with that. And it was a lot to to be around in the house with. So when you try and have those sorts of, you know... um, make or break chats of listen what's going on here where are we it's quite tricky when you're coming from a place of look I really want to make this work we've got a lot of history and he's just constantly shouting Vivaldi's four seasons in your face Mm. how did you communicate with him I I started to completely um shut off like emotionally mentally and physically as well so I would I would um sort of soundproof all of the other rooms by this point we weren't sleeping in the same room he was he was sleeping in the loft actually so it's sort of like an upside down phantom of the opera situation Mm. um all the rooms down here were, were soundproofed and and um up in up in the loft um Mike just used to sing you know on a on a good day it was it was uh it was Verdi, and on a bad day, it was the entire recording of Cats, the movie, but in Italian and opera. It was brutal. It, it could be heard for miles and miles. So, yeah, it was so really people, bad. and that's and that and that's the invasive thing, isn't it? Is that you know that anyone within a three mile radius knows exactly where you and Mike are at in your relationship. That's it. And so then you start. We were in a lot of um, uh, Facebook groups at the time for um, you know our area, and then soon you start to notice that a lot of the posts are. The bloke at number four is uh, is screaming from the rooftops again, um, and then you know two 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 days later that's in the papers. So I think so, the writing was on the wall by that point. I mean, literally on the on the loft in his own yeah. feces. I believe yeah. he'd, yeah, he'd written some pretty, pretty nasty stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, it was. It, I mean, a lot of things were said that you know. I think now we would perhaps communicate differently. But you remained together despite this for another fifteen years. Yes. Yes, we we kind of overcame it to a degree. You know, he said, I'll, I'll raise the child, but on the condition that it has to be called Not Mike. That was tricky for Not Mike. So before he was named Not Mike, yeah. what was he called? Steve. Right. Yeah, not good. I mean, I could have picked something else. I, I Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it, Jordan? Because you look back at that and you go, that probably was really insensitive. And when Not Mike is in one of his states and he's rocking back and forth and screaming, yeah. what, what's wrong with me? Yeah. It must get a bit tiring having to explain yourself. It does, it does. But we've got a great attic that we can just bung him up there. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like to bung him up there and sort of hope that he'll, he'll be like, oh, this is where um, the guy that isn't my dad used to um, sort of have his breakdowns and maybe there'd be a little bit of bonding there. So he's still up there? 
Still up there now. Yeah, yeah, still up there. Sometimes it's years he's up there. Um, missed his 18th birthday because he was up there. Yeah. I don't that's, actually that's know how old shame. he is. I'm more concerned with Nigel because he's the one sort of that's shown a bit more promise and a bit more um, intellect. So, And he is Mike's actual son, isn't he? Nigel. Yeah. Nigel is. Yeah, yeah. Nigel Comedian is, is, is Mike's, Mike's son. They've got a really, really nice bond. Really, really nice bond. But, they, um, but of course, they've bonded over their mutual hatred of you, which must be difficult. Yeah. You did finally divorce when you were about 60. Yeah. It was hard because we'd gone through so much. And to get to 60, you know, you both plan a lot for your 60th as well. I mean, the plans I had, if you think the wedding was good, the, the, the plans I had for the 60th were quite out of this world. Because um, you've been then, planning for your 60th for 30 years, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. I remember when I turned 30, everyone was going, oh, you're 30, flirty and thriving. And I thought, no, this is all about the 60th. People were turning up to that birthday party with cake and balloons. And I was, I was saying, have you kept the receipt? Because I'd you know, come back in 30 years. And then the 60th came along. I'd booked everything for it. Uh, booked Barry Manilow. Um, who by this point was too old. You know, that was a that was a, a foolish booking for me. He was too old. Well, it, well, he had to perform horizontally, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And the last two members of Little Mix just sort of had to provide support, you know, support bringing him on and off stage. Yeah, it was quite a sad sight. You've got Barry Manilow lying flat on the, on the floor and then two of Little Mix sat on chairs either side of him. Yeah, Perry was very much still singing the back catalogue of Little Mix. And then um, Jesse was doing the solo stuff, which, of course, was just one mm. song. What was what was really bad is um, Mike was trying to join in with his Italian opera. Mm. We booked a nice hotel for this um, celebration and uh, people kept coming in going, are the radiators broken in here? Because it's making very, very loud. It's sort of sort of like when a whale is dying in the aquarium and it's sort of reverberating off, off the glass walls. Mm. Um, so it wasn't what I'd hoped for, let's be honest. Why but- did you invite Mike? I suppose you just never give up on love, do you? You never give up. You you like to think there's always this invisible string keeping you together. It was hard to accept when on my 60th birthday, after all the planning, Mike, you know, he, he burst through those 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 doors singing um, Go Compare and he put the divorce papers uh, on, on the table by this point, it would become quite quite clear that this was not the man I married. Is Ed had gone? You've got to remove yourself, Jordan, in that situation and go, are we the same people? Mm. Um, you know, and, and we weren't. He was this opera singing maniac uh, and I was a better comedian than when we'd met. Mm. And I think that was hard. Yeah. Yeah, because, of course, you know, although Mike didn't do comedy... No. Um, he still felt this this intense envy. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's got to be really... You've got to understand here, he's working, you know, really, really long shifts. He's got an illegitimate son and he's still having to compare to the success of somebody who... I remember a, a student blog said I was the next big thing um, mm. in a review that was maybe in 2042. Mm. He thought, Do you know what? She's every year something says she's the next big thing. She's been the next big thing supposedly for you know three decades now, and um, you know, and I, I still am. I think maybe the next big thing. Who knows? Oh, well, you still were up until the day you died. I believe. I believe there was an article that said once to watch. Yeah, 
yeah. on, on the on the year that you you actually died. That was really nice. That was really nice when when the obituary went out. It mm. was really nice to sort of have um uh you know what one want to watch star in the making those those kind of words said uh, mm. a, a, about me. Remind me, Steve, Stephen Specker. Yeah. Had he had he sort of tried to make contact? Had he, had he tried to do the honourable thing and, and look after not Mike? Uh, no, Stephen. Um, he went back to work on farms uh, and mm. uh, entered. Oh, this is quite tricky to talk about, but entered quite an an illegitimate relationship with a marrow. Um, when somebody picks a marrow over. Uh, you and your child, it's quite hard to engage in any sort of positive relationship with that from now on. So it's quite tense with, with me and, and not Mike's father. I'm not surprised because it seems like a deliberate snub. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I think he may have forced himself to love that marrow. I think so. And what's what's also hard is that marrow makes no effort at all with being, you know, a, a nice female role model for, for not Mike either. So by this point, you're in your 80s. Mm. Mm. Late 80s. Yeah. You're the next big thing. Yeah. People are very excited to see what you're going to do in the future. Yeah. You're not talking to Mike. No. Mainly, though, by that point, because the comedy had started to take a little bit of a backseat and the darts had really lifted off by that point. Right. You know, first geriatric darts player to win the World Series. That's 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 kind of going to be the the, the thing that's in, in in the front of your mind really isn't it people call it a medical miracle that you were yeah. able to play darts at that age i mean it is a medical miracle but you're talking to somebody who plopped out the children um and the umbilical cord was a french plat so but i do think that when you're in your 80s and you are turning up to the motor point arena and everybody is in fancy dress you know dressed as um do you remember the, 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 the Prime Minister from, from, from years ago? Jamie off Made in Chelsea. Yeah, Jamie Lang, that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Jamie Lang. So everybody was dressed as former Prime Minister Jamie Lang. Uh, and then I turn up, you know, can she do it? Can she do it? Um, mm. And I've brought along for support Nigel, the comedian. Uh, not Mike didn't come. Uh and Steve Specker and his marrow were watching um, over Zoom, which uh, is which was still quite a successful thing by that point. So um, you know, I, te- I stepped up to the hockey, eighty-two years old, and uh, brought it home. Honestly, best day, best day of my life, best day of my life. And they say that um, the aneurysm that killed you, yeah, took hold on the final bullseye. Yeah, and I think when you watch it back um, on Zoom Plus One, you can see I, I, I step up to the hockey and I sort of, I think a lot of people thought I was winking. You know, I think I think a lot of people thought, this is in the bag. I'm, mm. I'm taking it home, bringing it home, guys. Um, in fact, Steve Specker um, messaged me just before the aneurysm going, you can't see me on Zoom, but I'm winking back, baby. And I thought, oh, hello, could, could we reconnect here? Um, and then in quite a poetic way, I think, some higher power went absolutely not and um, killed me there and then. It was brutal to watch the dart hit the board as your body hit the floor. People say, you know, you'd love to write the way that you go. And if I could write the way I'd go, that, that, that would have been it. And it was, it was a lovely way. And I knew when I'd gone. I knew. Well, that is it, because you, you'd been planning your death for 80-odd years. Yes, yes, yes. There was, um, there was the wedding that I planned, then my 60th. 
but really the big thing death. that you're helping to to, to plan is, is 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 your dark death and again once again thanks to paddy mcginnis for all the help with with getting that together um really smooth operation Maisie adam look at what you've done thank you thank you jordan that was Maisie adam her life was proof that the heart wants what the heart wants and the heart definitely didn't want her handsome brother definitely not so stop saying that 